Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors vital questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Lee Colby, Editorial Director at Cursed Dragonship Publishing. And for episode 13, we have Mark Stallings, Slinger of Ink in Wuxia, Fantasy and Military Sci-Fi. He's not your favorite now. He will be after. Welcome, Mark. Here, let me write, read your uh, impressive bio real quick so people know oh, who we're talking to. So we are talking to Mark Stallings. He's a member of Pikes Peak Writers, speaks at international conferences on technology topics, is a writer of Wuxia, fantasy, and military sci-fi. He is a competitive shooter, avid martial artist, drinker of craft beer, and motorcycle enthusiast. He became an Amazon best-selling author with his contribution to the military sci-fi anthology in the Four Horsemen universe, Set the Terms, released through Chris Kennedy Publishing, spring of 2020. Mark released the first book in the Silver Coin saga, The Elements, through Shadow Alley Press, summer of 2020. He continues to sling the ink with further stories in the Silver Coin saga and the Four Horsemen universes. Welcome, Mark! Thank you for having me! This is so amazing! So glad, so glad you were here. So it, it was nice. Uh, Mark, Mark, like texted me. We know each other from Superstars, and he came and he watched Todd, and he so he, he like sent me a message and he was like, "Hey, you know, I could be on this." And by the way, I also have like twelve other people. I'm like, "Yes, Mark, please be my friend." <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, I have the very first, very important question that I ask everyone. Okay, I'm ready. Ready? Okay. Where do you get your ideas? Oh, well, um, a lot of times the the genesis of some of these ideas are I'm reading a book or thinking about a series that I really liked and what I wish could continue. And then uh, I, I'm like, how can I extend that? Or can I come up with a different twist? Or how can I take it uh, something? Sometimes uh, at 3 a.m., a weird dream and... I have to get up and just really start pounding the keys and capturing that. So I've had a couple of stories that have had their birth at 3 a.m. Yeah, it's quite a time to wake up with those ideas, right? But it works. Well, and it's, it's one of the things as a writer, in a, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you come up with these ideas, it's like, oh, that's so amazing. I'll totally remember it. No, you're just lying to yourself. <laughs> right. You're like, but it feels so good. You know you're going to remember and what I've had, I had, we were up in a, a timeshare in Breckenridge, mm -hmm. and I had one of these these eureka moments. And so I'm in the in the bathroom, and the, and the wife comes and knocks on the door. Are, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to get an idea down. On on your phone? Is that what you? Were uh, yeah, I was on my phone. Yeah. Oh, I was expecting her to knock on the door, and you're like, "Bring me paper, quick!" And she's like, no, "Oh, no. you're out of toilet paper? Not that kind no, of paper." I, I have Scrivener <laughs> on my phone. Oh, there you go. So, oh, you have Scrivener on the phone. I should try that. Yeah, so if you buy the iOS version of Scrivener, you get it on all your iOS devices. Oh. oh yeah. I have to take advantage of that. One one buy and multiple devices. Yep. Be nice at all the horse lessons. I can just sit there with my phone. You don't always have a nice place to pull out your laptop, you know? It's just if you're a Scrivener user, I encourage you to create it initially on your your desktop. I mean, I have a Mac. I'm a Mac guy. 
Um, so I'll create a, a story, and then you can, it, when you sync, it will uh, pull. So you can set it up so that it'll all hit the same Dropbox, and that way you can, you have an idea, or you want to keep going, or you have 15 minutes, or like I was in jury duty, and so I was just sitting there with with my phone, just working on the novel. That's awesome. Everyone else is scrolling. You're like, I have work to do, people. <laughs> well, you just listen for your number to get called or your name. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And you hope you don't qualify. Let's see. So let's let's talk about your work a little bit. We have The Elements, which is the first in the Silver Coin Saga. Yes. And it starts with a quiet introduction to, like, the peaceful life of the village and the friendship between Cho and, um, now I'm going to say it wrong, Sean. So much of modern fantasy jumps right into the action. This is refreshing. I really liked that. So I'm wondering, why did you choose to go that route? So I wanted to show the the juxtaposition of their quiet life. I mean, they're up gathering mushrooms you know, for their village, and then they get attacked, and then they go down the mountain, and they get attacked again, they get rescued, and then their village is destroyed. So the people that rescue them basically take them to the school for magic in the Valley of the Crescent Moon. That's awesome. So it's a very clever start, you know, to have that, like you said, the smooth transition. So I quite enjoy that because everything starts so hardcore and you don't care about them yet. So you gave us yeah. a chance to actually know who these boys were. Well, and and, and I wanted it to you kind of ease into it. I, I just wanted that that sense of profound loss because they they completely lost that idyllic life. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's not one of those where they're sitting there unhappy with their whole life and they want adventure. You know what I mean? They like their life. They're good. Well, Sean wants adventure. Because well, his, but he doesn't express it very much at the very beginning. Well, he whines about it a little bit. Not, <laughs> not so much expresses it. It's like, man, wish I could do something different. I'm going to go be, you know, one of the most valuable people in our... <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> He wants like, to be like his buddy, and and he he expresses several times through the 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 book, and you'll uh -huh. see it as in the follow-on books that uh, he idolizes those tales of travel, you know the the heroes from yesteryear, and so here I'm going to give you guys a little bit of trivia. Ooh. Wuxia is one of the oldest genres, and one of the first books in the series was written 600 years ago. First books in the genre, and it was the Water Song. It was a tale of a bunch of uh, heroes doing, you know, different stories, righting wrongs and having adventure. Really? And what language was it written in? Chinese. Interesting. I just wanted to make sure in case someone didn't know. So yeah. that's fantastic. I mean, I hadn't heard of it just now. I was guessing the language best on the word, based on the words. Um, but that's fascinating. Have you gotten to, like, read any of those, any of the beginning stuff? The translated stuff, yeah. So I, my when my brother was living in in, Ch in China, he gave me a copy of Romance of the Three Kingdoms. That's one of the other early Wuxia novels. And so I'd read that, and then I read Water Song just because I was really interested to see what is it that they think of, of, of classic hero stories. And that's the genesis of, you know, Shaolin theater, all the kung fu movies I used to watch as a kid. Mm. So that's where they stole all that material from. That's so funny. So, well, that was good trivia. I learned something. And I can even pronounce it now, so thank you. There you go. Let's see. We have a question from Todd. Have you ever had a story pop up like that in the middle of the night, go back to sleep thinking, that's such an amazing idea, and I'll remember it, then wake up and completely forget it? Oh, look, he read, he read our mind. 
Has yeah, that ever happened? That's why if I have one of those eureka moments, I immediately grab the phone and start typing. <laughs> you must I get it down. I keep the phone on the stand so that if, if I need to, and if the phone's dead, I have a pen and paper there too. Just in case. Just in case. I, I, I learned to ignore my nighttime ones because they just distract me. I have, I have work I have to concentrate on. <laughs> Well, I mean, I have plenty of work and, you know, like Matt Novotny and I joke about my herd of squirrels because every one of these ideas is a new squirrel and it's, it's just comes up and, you know, you get this idea, squirrel, you know, and, and, and now I've got 17 of them. That's incredible and terrifying. Let's see. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Man, I had a lot of fun in Barcelona. Ooh, my yeah. husband's been to Barcelona. I've never been. I've traveled all over the world, and mm -hmm. right now I live in Colorado Springs by choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, 300 days of sunshine a year, average temperature 65. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, definitely spending some winters in a warmer climate would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, we've had this discussion before, but it's too cold in Houston for me. I'm not sure I could survive Colorado. Well, I mean, Antigua, I mean, that's interesting. It's outside the hurricane belt, and the te average temperatures between 72 and 76 degrees. Nice. I think, I think we should go check that out. I think so too. We should. It's it's requirement for some book. Maybe a writer's retreat. Yes. Yes. I'm sure one of the squirrels will qualify. We'll make it work. Yeah, absolutely. There's got to be an island in one of our adventures. Has to be. All right. Let's see. If you could live. Oh, I just asked you that. The anthology set the term. So that's the cool one. Were you an Amazon bestseller? Congratulations, by yep. the way. Oh. Um, and it includes your story, Tangent Orange. Is it yes. set in the Four Horsemen, or sorry, set in the Four Horsemen universe? Can you tell us a bit about that franchise? So tell so, us a little bit about Four Horsemen. So Four Horsemen, um, aliens come to Earth, and the Earth, uh, the the humans here don't really have anything to offer them, except hey, we solve our problems using mercenaries. Why don't you come be a mercenary and and uh, fight? So then, the uh, the Earth. Uh, military and private citizens put together, they call them the alpha contracts. So there are a hundred contracts and the first wave of humans go out into the stars to fight and dominate and only four come back. And each of the four that come back happen to have a horse in their logo. So then they're called the four horsemen. That's awesome. So then, then, then this, this universe starts a hundred years after that event. And so now it's all about, you know, mercenary companies and the uh, set the terms is about peacemakers, which they're the ones who, in essence, arbitrate contract disputes. Oh. Yeah. So they think of them like Texas Rangers in space. Wait, they're not lawyers. They're like actually they're not lawyers. No, nope. <laughs> they basically are there to, uh, you know, settle it one way or another. That's pretty fun. It yeah, looks like so quite an interesting series. Yep, I'm sorry? Set the Terms was a Peacemaker anthology. And okay. then I kind of, uh, with my collaborator, Matt Novotny, got us to uh, put together a Peacemaker story using one of the Peacemakers, Jackson Reigns. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a, a rescue mission. Huh. And, and a, uh, you know, I mean, he's going through a tough time. Um, spoilers uh, in the previous book that Kevin Eikenberry wrote mm -hmm. with Jackson Reigns in it. Jackson Reigns loses his partner. So he's trying to come to terms with, with what happened there. And uh, yeah. 
That's interesting. How do you organize that? So that because I noticed that like that first series where it's a different author or different sets of authors on each one, but it's the same, you know, characters. It's just, so how how was that managed? Same same universe. So Chris Kennedy and Mark Wandry um, take a lot of effort to try to shepherd the property. And then they have they've brought in other core authors like Kevin Eikenberry and Casey Azell, John Osborne, Marisa Wolf to then contribute to the overall planning. So then you'll see over the course of what 60 novels, they've had several phases of the story. So if you think of it almost like seasons of a TV show, you know, these novels kind of dovetail in with a common goal. Hmm. That's very fascinating. It's kind of I read something once where comic books. Like, you know, the MCU where they have somebody in charge of Iron Man and someone in charge of Spider-Man. But then they're like, hey, we want Iron Man to be in Spider-Man. And they have to talk and make sure, make sure it all works. So make I guess sure that's what Chris Kennedy does. It's like that, yep. So that's then, uh, like with the Peacemaker stuff, it's shepherded by Kevin Eikenberry. So then we got with Kevin to make sure that what we wanted to accomplish fit within his goals and his timeline. And uh, then, yeah, and then Matt and I slung the ink. That's incredible. I love that term, by the way. You can thank uh, James Hunter for that. James Hunter is pretty awesome, too. So why did you start writing? Why did I start writing? So like I said, uh, I read all these stories and some of them, some of the series like just really resonated with me. And I wanted to be able to tell a story like that. And so I started reading to help get through some really dark times in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, My father had cancer when I was in high school and my mom was killed and you know, just, oh, you know, wow. life happens. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a sob story. But um, all through that, you know, these these fantastic stories, you know, from David Eddings or Jack L. Chalker, Piers Anthony, Isaac Asimov, uh, Ray Bradbury. I mean, just taking me to other worlds and, and giving me heroes that overcome and adventures that, you know, the, the hope of a better life, right? And yes. so, you know, I, I, I just really wanted to be able to write a story mm-hmm. that would resonate with someone in the future. That's and fantastic. That's, that's really what, I, what got me into writing. That's great. I love that reason. Let's see. What project that's in progress or not started are you most excited about? Oh, so right now I'm working on book two for uh, Silver Coin Saga, The Animals. And the, the world building that I've been doing is I'm trying to make sure I have a continuity because as soon as I'm done with book two, I'm rolling right into book three. And if as long as the readers are happy and it sells, I mean, this is scoped out to be an 11 book series. Nice. So just the world building and the dynamics of what the character is doing and what I'm trying to accomplish I mean, it's, it's just amazing to be able to get these little pieces to line up and then have a cohesive story that can possibly continue. So, That's yeah. fantastic. It's fulfilling in a whole nother way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, let's see. I understand. We'll talk about, you know, things you have to deal with as a writer or as a person even. I understand that your daughter has um, had some medical issues. Yes. Um, how does that impact your creative process? So uh, my, my daughter's been in and out of the hospital several times over the last uh, well, four or five months. And uh, honestly, it, uh, it's like a bucket of cold water thrown on you from a creativity perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, you, you, you fight with insurance to get drugs approved or you're stressed about them being in the hospital. And because of COVID right now, um, only one person can go in at a time. 
And so then I become external support. So I'm running to get food or activities or Starbucks drinks or something to, you know, to then meet my wife at the hospital door and she can run in. But I mean, it's just that you get back and you're sitting in this chair and you're looking at the keyboard and you're like, there's no way. Absolutely. But you know, you need to keep moving and forward progress. So then it's, I change tactics. So then I kind of, you know, feed the squirrels or work on world building or character background for, for what I'm doing. You know, that's how I started to start plotting into book three. You know, it's that way I can just roll right into it. But yeah, it's, it's so tough to, to, to actually be able to create while you're dealing with all of that. That's clever though. There's more to this than just the actual writing. So you're still working. Your word count isn't going up, but you're figuring out other problems. So maybe it'll be faster once you can settle down. Exactly. I mean, you're doing all of the things around what what you need in order to be able to create. And, you know, you can keep thinking about it. So then, you know, sometimes I am, I'm a night guy. I mean, my, my most productive writing is, is 9 p.m. to midnight. But, you know, there's been, there's been some times like, you know, you do spend the day at the hospital or running errands or whatever, fighting with insurance companies, and then mm-hmm. I'll go to bed early. And then I'll, I'll be a, a morning freak like Todd Fonstock where I'm waking up <laughs> at 6 a.m. and just, you know, the lightning strikes you and it's just like this. That's the, the rare exception. I am not a morning person. Yes, but do you go for a run first? No. See, that's a- <laughs> I do martial arts so I don't have to run. Ah, which, which, um, I see the like arsenal you have behind you with all those swords. Uh, Those are really cool. Do they inspire you? What are they up there for? Not just swords. So the top one, I study Bagua. I have no idea what that is. Bagua is a uh, Wudang martial art. So then this next one is my cold steel Chinese broadsword. So if I need to stab a car, I can. (laughs) The bottom one is a Tai Chi sword. Uh, It was my, my first... My wife gave it to me for our first anniversary. That's awesome. And then that is a boar spear, an actual boar spear that my buddy Doug gave me because he has some fantasy of actually going and going boar hunting. <laughs> like actually, like we're going to kill a boar with a spear. I, I would rather shoot it, but you know. <laughs> it's a little safer to shoot it sometimes, as long as you don't miss. Oh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. those, have you seen those things? They're huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they run rampant through Texas. I had no idea. I was going to say, they're all over Houston. They, I, at like, when we go camping, like when we go camping with the kids, they have, um, with the, like, Girl Scout troop on the Girl Scout property, they have traps set up because they're dangerous. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. So I see uh, Florida Kevin. Mm-hmm. That's Kevin Petway. And, uh, yes, Tai Chi Chuan. Mm-hmm. I studied t- Chen style, which is the actual martial form of Tai Chi. Todd says, or the boar might kill you. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I, my one of my favorite series is the Bulgarian, yes. and the main character yes. Garion goes goes up and goes goes boar hunting, and it almost kills him. So, you know, that's going through my mind when Doug says, "Hey, we should go boar hunting <laughs> with a spear." <laughs> and you're having flashbacks for an event you haven't actually lived, like, but close enough. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. Seems yeah, let's like see. man sport. Oh, that is also another truth, isn't it? I mean, even if you kill it, how are you going to drag it back? Yeah, that's what ATVs are for, right? Oh, that's also true. And they don't seem to be too scared of them. So it's not like deer where you have to be quiet. Let's oh, they, see. They want to come kill you. I mean, mm-hmm. 
I'm not a big fan of hunting things that want to kill me. <laughs> you don't you don't like to hunt things that want to fight back? Come on, Mar. No, no. I'm more of a, you know, I'm, I got a scope, 800 yards, pop the little antelope from a long, long, long away, make sure it's done flopping. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to get near it when it's still moving. That's how people die when they go hunting. You know, they that get bored by an elk or stepped on by a moose. I think that has more to do with the alcohol being consumed too, though. So just avoid that part and you'll be fine. Let's see. Um, I had some questions. Where are they? Oh, here we go. Um, Todd wants to know, what part of the writing process do you enjoy the most? Oh, for me, it's ideation. It's when you come up with this concept of, hey, I could come up with this and then start building the world. And you have a character who's got this crazy background and then they're going to, you know, they, they're going to be able to do these things and then they run into a brick wall and then the brick wall falls over on them. And then as somebody steps on the brick wall, you know, that's that's the part I like. Yeah, so you're like you, plot uh, driven when you create these ideas. Exactly. But you know, you got if, if you don't have an interesting character, then your plot doesn't matter. That's true. That's true. But it's a start. So you start with plot. And that's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. I tend to do that, too. And, you know, I'm going to confess to everybody. I'm a plotter, not a pantser. I'm definitely not a discovery writer. I did a uh, uh, Writers of the Future submission that was entirely, I mean, I wrote seven small sentences on a back of an envelope. I took a picture. Uh, and then I wrote a story based on that. And it was painful. It was so painful. Oh, no. <laughs> no. You're like, I need more guidance. Well, at, at heart, I'm a software developer. So I'm, I'm about, you know, doing up a nice detailed design and then you build a smaller design and then a more detailed design and then you build it and then you test it. Yeah, I'm, I like having a plan. I see that. There are a few people in my life that are exactly like that. I know I always do like the Brandon Sanderson. When he said it, I'm like, oh, that's me. Where he said he um, plans his the plot, but he discovery writes his characters. And I was like, that's what I do. That's yep. it. Well, I mean, you know, so I'll, I'll do up an outline, you know, in working with Shadow Alley Press. Um, it's been great because, you know, James Hunter is great about working with you on your outline and fleshing it all out. And um, I'll, I'll like literally I was I was looking at this today because the next chapter I need to work on for Silver Coin Saga, I have two sentences. And mm. so I, I do scenes that are roughly 1500 words. Mm -hmm. So I have two sentences. So um, I'm a discovery writer because I got two sentences and I got to turn that into 1500 words. So that's true. I think that counts. I'm a micro pantser. How's that? There you go. There you go. Parts of it. Parts of it are pantsed. There you go. Uh, I just find it easier when it comes to the revision stage if you have a lot more of it planned. Well, there's less revision. I mean, you're now working mm -hmm. on, hey, you need better description here and or, or things like that. And, or this one thing I thought was going to work didn't, so I had to change it on the fly, so now I have to make sure it all fits in. Which, which kind of dovetails into, you know, in working with somebody who's really good, you know, like like James Hunter is very collaborative in, in working with me on in making this. But it was funny because I had, uh, I got I got some revisions back from him. And he has this comment in here. He's like, this is weak sauce. You could do better. Good for him. He's yeah, making you live I, up to I your standards. I spit coffee on my desk because <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> I love that. Good for he him. Was right. I mean, I, I went Good. through, I look at what he was looking at. And, I, and so I just, you know, went and fixed it. I mean, it was, it was dead on and perfect. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
Um, let's see. We have a question. Oh, from your the Silver Coin Saga that you said it's going to be 11 books. So Kevin yes. Petway says, you know, that's impressive, you know, length of series. Why did you decide to make it so big? So, you know, one of one of my favorite series to, until he betrayed me was The Wheel of Time. Robert Jordan. And the reason why I say he betrayed me is that from a reader, I get invested in the main character and the main character keeps accomplishing these goals of defeating these these forsaken. And there's 12 of them. So mm -hmm. as he's learning his powers and he's, he's able to knock one down, knock one down, knock one down. And then for whatever reason, Robert Jordan says, oh, well, I'm going to yank him back from the dead. I'm gonna <gasps> back. So he has to defeat him again? So all of the, the sense of accomplishment as a reader in this journey with the main character, I felt betrayed. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to create a series. And initially the series in my mind was shorter. Mm -hmm. But then in working with James Hunter, uh, he's like, so what are you trying to accomplish in book one? And I told him, he's like, whoa, no, that really needs to be three books. And so what I do is I have a big bad guy. And the mm -hmm. big bad guy has eight generals, right? Choo -choo -choo. Eight generals. Gotcha. And so okay. then, if we're going to knock one down per book, mm -hmm. then that means I'm going to have eight books plus defeat the bad guy. There's nine. We added two books at the beginning. There's 11. That's awesome. So it worked out. So it was math, Kevin Petway. It was just math. Just pure math. Just math. But what I want to do is, like I said, I got a sense of, of betrayal with, with what, what Robert Jordan did. And he started to just, in my opinion, move pieces around on a map with no actual plot. Mm. And so then it's like, I want to create a story. I have a, a story here I want to tell. I have an arc all done out. I have each one of the books with what I want to accomplish in each one of the, the books as far as goals. And it, I want to see forward progression all the way through so that there is not that sense of, I just read a thousand pages and what happened? No. I don't understand. Yes, that was a lot of math. It's a lot of math. People said we're not math people. You know, some of us writers really are math people. We can totally do it. You know, when I was in school and teachers were, um, you better learn this because you'll never have a calculator with you all the time. <laughs> hey, Mr. Cat. What do I have? It's a, it's a calculator. All the time. All the time. <laughs> And I just want you to know the chat got a real kick out of your micro pants. <clears throat> oh, geez, yes. Yeah, 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 they're liking that comment. Math bad. <laughs> okay, math our favorite bad. editor says math is bad. Yes. Let's see. Um, What movie do you go to again and again? What's your go-to? Oh, so my favorite, absolute favorite movie from a sci-fi world is The Last Starfighter. I mean, oh, I, good choice. I love the... The, the kids pulling the sword from the stone trope. I love the fish out of water when he goes out into space and, you know, the bumpkin people at the trailer park at the end of it. And, I mean, it's just it's just hilarious. So I love that movie. Um, for a movie I like to just throw on and just have happen to me, like turn the brain off and I'm just going to, you know, recover from doing something for day job is probably like Fifth Element. It is so visually evocative, no matter what you're looking at. If you're watching Bruce Willis or Gary Ullman and you're looking at everything around what's going on, it's so interesting of, of the landscape and the characters and, and the setup. I mean, everything that's going on around them becomes 
as you keep progressing through, I mean, it's it's a rich tapestry. And so I, I kind of like that. That'd be nice. Have the colorful, it's like watching art. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, you know, it's like, but it's still campy. I mean, you know, I love the Bruce Willis character. Hey, do you mind if I take a chance at negotiation? And he just shoots a bunch of them. <laughs> you want to negotiate? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> well, it worked, didn't it? Oh, it did. Uh, yeah, the chat totally agrees with you on your choices. Good job. Let's see. We're here to please, people. We're here to please. Especially with micro pants. That's right. Well, you got to please some other way if micro pants are what you're wearing. Okay, let's see. Who has inspired you along the way? Uh, so that that there's a lot of of people that have inspired me. I mean, there's there's writers that have inspired me. I mean, I'm I'm gonna just just start throwing out people like Kevin Eikenberry. I mean. You know, I, I got to meet him in 2016, and, you know, I've been able to watch his journey mm -hmm. as it unfolds. Uh, James Hunter, I mean, his story of going, you know, terror writing in McDonald's in Thailand to, you know, I mean, he, he almost... Talk about breaks. brave. He's so yeah, he brave. he breaks the, uh, you know, Amazon algorithm every time he puts out a book. Mm -hmm. um, Michael Anderley, I mean, he's, he's an inspiration in that, you know... He has not not just because of his business acumen, but just the insight that he has in in how to approach things um, is just amazing. And so and then you know, generosity with the info. And then I got I got to meet and it was it was because of my tech job. I got mm -hmm. to meet Jim Lovell and he was the no. astronaut from Apollo 13. Mm -hmm. And just that that whole experience, you know, being able to talk to him about, you know, what was going on. I mean, was was incredible. I mean, my father was a, a the Air Force liaison to the shuttle program, and so you know we got to meet some of the early shuttle pilots and 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 all that. And I got taken out of school to see the first one go up, so that was that was pretty awesome. But just you know, there there are people that that kind of touch your lives in in short ways that you know just really help kind of resonate with you and say, I really, I really want to be like that. I really, no matter how bad life sucks, as long as you do that next thing, I mean, you're going to keep moving forward. Or like uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs said, as long as I live, there's hope. Oh, I love that. I love that. The, yeah, the chat isn't as impressed as I am with Jim Lovell. That's incredible. Yeah, and Gene Krantz, I mean, he was there with them. <laughs> I mean, this was at a technology conference in Indianapolis, what, 2013? And, uh, I mean, that dude's hilarious. I mean, because you know, he's sitting on the other side of it telling uh -huh. people, all right, people, figure this out. Y'all are brilliant. Show me. Get to it. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Um, let's see. We have a question. Maya wants to know, who is your dream collaborator? Oh, man. So... Um, I don't know that it could ever happen, but I would I would like die if I could write a book with Larry Niven. Ooh. Oh my gosh! I mean, so you know, Jerry Purnell is another one of my literary heroes. Larry Niven. I mean, some of the wor works that they've worked on, just mm -hmm. you know, just mind blowing. I mean, I love Footfall. Or you know, you know, as far as living living authors. Um, yeah, I was gonna say Larry Niven's gonna be tough. Larry Niven's tough. He is alive. I got to meet him at Dragon Con. He's Still an amazing dude. He's so amazing. But um, I mean, my I, husband I, was in an elevator with him. We have elevator. We like to be in elevators with celebrities. There's something casual about that. I mean, honestly, I think just because it's it's a little out of my genre, 
I think Larry Korea would be a hoot to write with. Oh, he is funny on panels. Um, he's fine. Like I got to meet him at Liberty Con, and then again spend some time with him at Dragon Con. And the dude, I mean, he's—it's not just larger than life, Larry. I mean, mm-hmm. even though he's—he's he's a very large dude, but I mean, he's—he's he's funny. He's insightful, intelligent, and I just think you know that that whole monster hunter thing. I mean, I think he would be fun to to pick a story and write on it. That would be cool. Heaven knows he has enough worlds that you could choose from. And I see uh, somebody wrote, um, looks like Dave. What, what genre would I like to try next? Mm-hmm. Um, Dave, epic fantasy is going to be on the uh, hook for this for 2021. That's incredible. There's like a surge in epic fantasy because, you know, Kevin G. Anderson did it. Jonathan Mayberry did his first ever epic fantasy. So that's incredible. Is there is there just like a surge in popularity with readers or is it just something you've always wanted to try well i mean i've always been an epic fantasy um you know i love Mm -hmm. you know everybody loves tolkien right um for me i love the hobbit maybe because that was really what got me into uh fantasy to begin with but you know you think about like the belgarian as as a a great coming of age story um and then um a magician there is a book um by uh uh, who wrote that? Feist? Is that I who don't wrote know it? that one? Um, Somebody in the audience might know. And magician master. I mean, he's a pug, the the inept orphaned. I mean, it's the classic trope, right? He's the inept mm-hmm. orphan castle boy who meets the wizard, and the wizard decides to take him in, and then he gets captured and goes off to this other land, and he, it ends up he's actually a brilliant mu- magician. Yeah, so it's a story I mean, just, we all wish we were part of. Yeah, yeah, and then you, you know, like like the last month I spent uh, watching uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. I mean, you know, the the Peter Jackson production of that is just so amazing. Yes, and so just it just gets into your bones, and it's like, how can I tell a story? I want to tell a story that's deep in lore. You know, Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another good one. I've 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 I like some of the Brandon Sanderson stuff. Some of it is a little too meaty for me. Um, maybe I'm just mentally not in the right place. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. That's Epic awesome. Fantasy's up next, Dave. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, and Maya says, yes, Feist, you were right. See, we knew somebody in the chat would know. Maya knows all. That's right. Um, let's see, what is your least favorite chore around the house? We're getting to the real questions now. My least favorite chore is going to be cat box. Yeah, that's yeah. not a fun one, is it? So it's funny. My wife, my wife doesn't like um, washing pans. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have some pans that I don't want going in the dishwasher. We have some of those. I, I worked in restaurants in high school, so I was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I'll wash them. I have no problem with that." And she thinks I'm crazy. You're like, just these dishes. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah, just go go to the cat box. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I, I would much rather do the cat box than than the dishes. I'll tell you that right now. Let's see. Oh, we have our very, very important question. Like Helen even came on and said, you have to tell me what it is. All right, you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Oh, it's going to be vanilla bean. Vanilla bean. Yep, vanilla bean. Vanilla bean. I did hear it's the most popular, so we'll have to so, see. So here, here's the story behind that. So when my father was stationed in Germany, so we were Mm -hmm. in Germany, and 
it was the special treat to get a bowl of ice cream and sit with dad while he watched American football. Oh, so do you like really like football now or just the ice cream? Um, well, because of, of some things in Germany, I'm I'm a Chargers fan living in Bronco country. But uh, yeah, so you know, what, what happened was all the little um, junior football teams were modeled after NFL teams. So my best friend who lived across the street, his older brother played for the Chargers. So we'd go root for the Chargers every year. So that's, that's how it stuck. So I'm a glutton for punishment. That's funny. They still do that with the, with the little leagues here too. So yep. with the little ones, it's not little league, that's baseball. I can't remember what it's called now. Pee-wee. But with the junior. Whatever it is, peewee. Yes, that's it. You got it. Peewee. So the peewee football, they do the same thing. They use real team names. So I can see that. That's pretty cool. Yep. Um, what is your idea of a vacation? Okay. So I, I like to go to this place called um, Torres Mazatlan. And so they have this, this bar there. And they call it the Lapa Lapa. It's there in the resort. So it's, it's, a, okay. it's a little resort. And so it's in the, in the, in the, and they get it, they, they know me and they, uh, there's a table right next to where the pool is. So then the children could play in the pool. I can see them. They have Wi-Fi. They bring me Pacifico beer and they have this garlic chili shrimp. Ooh. And so I took my buddy Dave down there, not, mm-hmm. not this Dave, but uh, a gentleman named Dave Claiborne. And, you know, normally in the tech world, it's go, go, go. I mean, you're, you're consulting, you're, you're on these different projects. It's high speed all the time. Mm-hmm. And so Dave came over to me. He's like, dude, I didn't know you had a gear this low. <laughs> you're like, only here, man. This is true harmony. But, you know, I have, I have Scrivener on my iPad. And I have a little Bluetooth keyboard. And I can sit there and, and you just prop it up and just... I can work on my stuff. I the can kids are entertained. Facebook. The kids are doing well now. They're older, so we haven't been in a few years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at that time, then they could do what they were doing. They're happy. I mean, we first thing we did with, with the kids is that when they were old enough, they could swim. So we, we never worried about them. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they get to interact, and I get to, you know, do my thing and not really do a whole lot. That's awesome. We need a vacation. I think all of America needs a vacation. Maybe all of the world at this point. Yes. Let's see. So uh, talking about beer, so we're talking about that you're a craft beer fan. Do you have a favorite, like, local brewery? So I like to go to Nano 108. Okay. And what is that? Like, what what do they have? What do they feature? So so they're called Nano 108 because they have a Nano brewery license, and their license number is 108. Really? (laughs) They're yep. like, what are we going to call this? So, so I they, don't know. <laughs> I know the guy who manages it is this wonderful dude named Zach. And the thing I like is that they have rotating beers. So it's not just, you know, you're getting the same beer every time you go there. Mm-hmm. You you literally have to look up on the board and see what they got. That's I love awesome. that. And so I, they're I, local I, in Colorado I, Springs? It's down on the south side of Colorado Springs, down towards the airport. And I, I can tell you from a craft beer perspective, there's nothing that delights me more than when somebody taps a new keg or when they have run out of something because that gives them room for something new. That's awesome. Love it. Yeah. My Zafo, uh, my husband Zafo is a huge craft beer fan himself. So that's why I asked where it was. So maybe next time we go up because he wants to come superstars with us, then we can go hit them. Um, There's a couple that I would like 
Um, Irene, a friend of mine I met at the uh, Dave Farland Ireland workshop, she got, I convinced her and a bunch of others to come to Superstars. So I took her to Cerberus Brewing, which is right down the street from where Superstars is. I was going to say, I swear I have heard of them. So maybe if it's just down the street, that's why. It's like on 8th Street in Colorado. I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's within shooting distance. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if, if he comes out, that's where you guys need to go. That'll be awesome. We'll go visit and have some good. I think when he came to pick me up last time, we went to uh, the Irish pub. So we just went there. Oh, so, Jack Quinn's. Yeah. Yes. So we'll, we'll have to check out some breweries instead next time. The funny thing is, I don't like beer. <laughs> so I prefer to go to breweries that have other things, right? Or so. I could take you to the local distillery. Ooh. So there is a distillery uh, run by veterans called 1350 that I uh, just went to last month. Um, and yeah. So I don't know if you saw the uh, the crazy videos posted on Superstars channel. No, new ones. I did not see them. Oh, no, no. Yeah. So <laughs> we might have been uh, drinking uh, bourbon from 1350 when those crazy videos. Oh, wait, up. it's when you were drawing the dragon? Yes. It wasn't you, but drawing, yeah, just, okay. Just four lines. <laughs> yeah. I did see that, yeah. There might have been alcohol involved. I, I alcohol think was, was in, I don't I, believe. I think there was a disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. Well, that's the only way I could draw on cameras if there was alcohol involved. I don't know how James does it. Let's see. I only have one question left. So audience members, do you have a question? If not, I get it. I get to steal it. It's all mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My husband's reminding me we were going to go to a meadery when we were there because mead's my favorite. So we were going to go to a meadery, but it was closed. So So there's a story for why it's closed. Uh oh. They, they planned this much mead and thought that, oh, we, we, from all the parties we've done where we've had public tastings, we mm -hmm. generally sold this. No. I mean, they were, they were, they went from selling full bottles to yeah we can't be selling this anymore if you want bottles you got to drink here i mean they just i mean they were just too popular the mead was too good and people were just running through and just picking up cases of mead and, i mean they couldn't keep up that seems silly i know not that not to keep up but silly that they couldn't compensate then well and like make more money it's not like Hey, go pick up some more flour and sugar and water and eggs, and we're going to make more bread. It's, I mean, there's a process. There's a lead. So they couldn't keep up with the honey supply. They couldn't keep up with production. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting, meat takes a long time. Yeah. I mean, beer, I mean, you can have beer done in six weeks. Yeah, but so does wine. You, do you see what I mean? But I can see there being a shortage of actual honey. So I started, I, when I was in college, I, I made alcohol. And uh, well, I mean, I was part of the, the Society of Creative Anachronism, the SCA, Medieval Recreation. And so I got in with some people that did did wine. And, and, and like, I was like, okay, we're done. Cool. When do we get to drink it? A year. What? No. Uh, <laughs> no. I'll tell you, though, my husband's buddy that he brews beer with, he made mead one time. And he made it and he put like cranberry juice in it or cranberries in it. I don't remember the whole process, so I'm very sorry, Henry, if I'm getting this wrong. But he made it. It was so good. Like, he would open a bottle for me, and I would just sit there and drink the whole thing. It was so good. Well, I mean, I did banana wine. I mean, so the just the sugars, and we'd use champagne yeast, and it was just so delicate and delicious. 
Mm-hmm. It's just I can't wait for a year. I mean, a year for that to go. So I can wait a year. I'll just drink rum until it's ready. It's fine. So GT Evans is a, a also a beer maker, and so it's fun to go up to his place every once in a while, and we'll throw down some you know double IPA or or whatever my where where we have a fancy for. So <laughs> we need to do that again. Mm-hmm. What is thing. your favorite Firefly character? Yeah, um, that's the question. Jane. I like that one. It's got to be Jane. Jane. Okay, tell us why. Why? Because he's he's aggressive. He likes to fake that he's stupid, but he's not. And you know, he he put ascribes high a value to weird material things like his gun. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I just I just love that kind of pseudo eeyore galahad complex that he has galahad the man is not innocent oh no no i'm saying just the adventure and i must you know accomplish a task you know he's he's a good counterpoint a great foil to you know the captain i mean so you know i i think it's a they both want to accomplish similar things but they like to go about it different ways like you know grenades would be real handy about now <laughs> you know, I think between us and the chat and Zapho on the line, we could just quote the whole thing. We could just, you know, one show after another. The um that's interesting though that you said he's a that you think he's a foil for Mal because to me he was a foil for Simon. So that's very interesting. Yeah, because if you look at the planning sessions, I mean, because there was one time where he's like, Well, do you think you could be a better captain? And then he goes, Well, yeah. And then he's like, Oh, wait a minute, I didn't mean that. <laughs> Never mind, I take it back. Well, you're not. I'm the captain, yeah. <laughs> He's, he's, a, he's a good foil for, you know, the captain. I like it. I like it. It's awesome. All right. So. I, I use literary terms. He's the a distractor. The distractor. Oh, clever. Okay. Now I see it. Now I see it. All right. So for the final and last bit, where can fans find you and your work? So you can find me on Facebook, Mark mm-hmm. Stallings. Um, I have a Patreon page under Mark Stallings. Um, I have a website, markstallings.com. And then uh, here, if if you don't want to do Patreon, in about three weeks, you can start hitting me on Royal Road. Nice. Yep, Patreon gets first hit of the book, and then I'll post on Royal Road. Excellent. And what are you here promoting today? Today I am promoting Prodigal Son. This is a book in the Four Horsemen universe starring Jackson Rains and written with the lovely Matt Novotny. Lovely. Is this the term he chose? No. No. <laughs> Just curious. Well, excellent. So everyone, now that Mark is your favorite writer, please make sure to leave reviews for his books and please leave reviews for us as well, wherever you get your podcast or on um Let's see, what else can you do? You can follow us on Twitch. You can subscribe on YouTube. Um, I think that's it. There's so many fun things you can do to help support us so we can keep bringing you these amazing authors. And next week, we have Kevin J. Anderson on. So we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you.